AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Don't go looking for how the markets traded today, because they didn't. But don't worry, the AgriTalk team has your daily dose of market knowledge ready for you to download. Today, we're talking protein, specifically pork and beef, and even more specifically, the hog and cattle markets. From the most presidential day this year so far, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Lee Schultz from Iowa State University. Later, Kerry Artek from ArtekAdvisory.com. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, man, happy President's Day. Yeah, President, President. You betcha. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Were you ever the president of anything? 4-H? Anything 4-H like Club. That? You betcha. 4-H Club? Yeah. yeah. Held the gavel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't so much hold the gavel as I wielded it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, therefore, hey, man, I hope you're having a great day there, Mr. Past President. Well, and what about you? You must have been president of something at yeah, some a point. Couple, couple of things, couple of things. There was Atta a 4-H club. That was, uh-huh. that was part of it. Uh, a dorm floor. I was president oh, of the dorm Oh, looky there. Yeah. 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 Would that yeah. be at Iowa State University? That would have been Arrington House. Mm-hmm. Hello, all you fellow Arringtonites. Uh, you, you know, I say that, and I, I, a, a fellow Arringtonite just popped into my head. Remember Kevin Ross, past president of oh, the yeah. NC of the National Corn Growers Association? Yeah. yeah, we actually were on the same dorm floor. Old lampshades, Ross. Yeah, several <laughs> several years apart, but we were on the same dorm floor. Uh huh. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, boy, there's a quick trip down memory lane. Happy, happy day to all the past presidents out there. I think you deserve a tip of the hat. Ooh, so. yes. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, markets did not trade today. No. Uh, last week, there was some movement, but it was all around pivot points in mm-hmm. these grain markets. Uh, and when everything was said and done, at the end of the week, there was some some price action that happened. A lot of it happened in the spreads. We talked about that with Brian Split on Friday afternoon. What the spread action between the flavors in the wheat complex mm-hmm. might mean for us going forward. Grape, Taking a look, fruit punch, watermelon flavored wheat. You <laughs> yeah. bet. Yeah, the different flavors, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course the bear spreads in the bean market, what that might mean and how it might trade going forward. Brian had some great perspective on that. So if you missed it and if you missed the conversation about volatility and some of the opportunities that are offered in a low volatility market, you've got to go and listen to the conversation with Brian split. I thought it was great. I thought it was really really good and deserves your listen. Um, today's conversation is mm-hmm. really, really good. Do you know how I know that? How do you know that, Chip? How because can you I've possibly know? It. Oh, I've you've already, already had, had it. it. Yes. Oh, 
yeah. thought you were seeing into the future somehow, kind of a Doc Brown thing. <laughs> no, Lee no? Scholes, Iowa State University. The guy just, he he thinks in a full circle mm-hmm. when it comes to what's happening in the cattle trade. He thinks in a full circle when it comes to what's going on in the in, in the uh, in the hog market. I it, I just find it so refreshing, and um, he brings it all together and and makes his opinion of what might be happening here going forward very easy to understand. So, uh, great conversation. Okay, Davis, uh, what do you got in the news for today? Well, Chip, hard red winter wheat futures traded higher Friday with support from congested exports from Ukraine. The country's export uh, pace decreased 23% in the weekend of February 16 due to inspection delays. That's got 140 vessels backed up waiting to be cleared. That delay in shipments could force some importers to shop for U.S. wheat supplies. Ongoing drought in the U.S. Central and Southern Plains also supported the hard red market. HRW Wheat Futures, the March contract, pivoted on both sides of $9 last week with the trend sideways to higher. March soft red wheat futures started the week last week with a test of resistance just under 8 bucks, then retreated back below old resistance at 775 On Friday's close, March hard red winter wheat futures 8 cents higher, 906.5. March SRW wheat up a half cent, 765.5. March spring wheat closed at 930 and one quarter, steady. On the day Friday. All right. Now, let's take a look at the new crop contracts. July SRW wheat closed at 781 on Friday. That was down 18 cents on the week. Uh, July HRW closed at 883 and a quarter. That was up a penny on the week. So that SRW HRW spread moved 19 cents last week. And then September spring wheat closed at 898 and three quarters. That was up one and one-half cents on the week. Well, USDA Friday morning announced the sale of nearly 121,000 metric tons of U.S. corn for delivery to unknown destinations in the current marketing year. With grain movement from the Black Sea experiencing some disruptions, it's difficult to guess who that unknown buyer may be. Negotiations between Russia, Ukraine, Turkey, and the United Nations on a new grain export deal will reportedly begin this week. March corn futures remained stuck in the sideways trading range between 670 and 690. March corn futures on Friday, one and three quarters cents higher, 677 and three quarters. May up two and a half, 677 and one half. July corn closed at 666, up two cents on the day. Yeah, the negotiations on that grain deal of shipments out of the out of the Black Sea, I think that's going to be a very important factor for the market this week. On the week, March corn was down two and three-quarter cents. December corn was down just one-quarter of one penny. Well, Jeff, soybean oil futures were slightly lower, and soybean meal was mixed on the final trading day of last week. That provided very little directions for soybeans, which ended the day Friday with just slight gains. Dry conditions in Argentina are expected to continue through at least midweek, which should limit selling interest in the bean market when trade restarts tomorrow. Wet conditions in some key areas of Brazil continue to delay the soybean harvest despite that slow harvest. Offers for March through April bean shipments from southern Brazil are making U.S. beans look pricey. Chart watchers are looking for March beans to continue to pivot around 1525. March, three quarters of a cent higher on Friday, 1527 and one quarter. May beans up a penny, 1522 and a quarter. July soybeans closed at 1514 and one half up one and one half cents on Friday.
Yes, check this spread movement. March soybeans on the week were down 15 and a quarter cents. November soybeans closed at 13.86 and a quarter, up seven and a half cents on the week. Well, March cotton was 100 points lower on Friday's close at 80.25. On the yeah, livestock, down, oh, down yep, 261 points in the December contract, 82.25 on the close. Well, fed cattle futures pushed up into the end of the week. Beef processors are thought to be short-bought on supplies through the end of the month. That'll have traders looking for higher cash bids again this week. The risk of another winter storm in the Central Plains this week will likely add to upside pressure on cash bids. April fat cattle 57 and one-half higher, 164.65. March feeders up 30 cents, 186.52 and a half. And lean hog futures rallied early in Friday's session, but gains were erased. And downside momentum accelerated with a session low close. April hogs on Friday, 50 cents lower, 85.27 and one-half with the June contract down 42 and a half to 102.72 and a half chip. All right, and on the week, April live cattle up 70 cents last week. March feeder cattle up 12 and one-half cents. And April lean hogs up $1.95 last week. Okay, we've got Lee Schultz. We're talking livestock next here on Agritalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. You can't see us, and we can't see you, so don't go changing. Listen just the way you are to Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk on this President's Day. The markets are closed, but we've got the information flow still coming your way. And we're going to be talking about what's going on in the livestock markets with Lee Scholes from Iowa State University Extension. Lee, it is great to talk with you again. How are you, man? Great. Great to have me back again. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here. Okay. Uh, when when you look at the what's going on in the futures markets, the, the live cattle futures market, the lean hog futures market, it, it, it's kind of easy to assume that that there is all kinds of activity happening in the cash. The, 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 when we look at what's going on in the lean hog cash index, we're trying to build a bottom in here. And we start every week in live cattle trade with expectations that we're going to see uh, some strength in the cattle market. It's worked the last couple of weeks, but it, it's been, it, the Packers really kind of slow played this cash market on the cattle side of things, didn't they? They did. And, you know, what I think when you look across both cattle and hogs, 
we're trying to figure out what these supplies actually are, right? So I'll, I'll, you know, look at the hog complex here first. You know, when we looked at the last hog and pigs report, they said okay. we were going to see slaughter down about 2%, uh, really to start the year and, and even getting into uh, the second quarter. We've seen larger slaughter supplies so far, up about 2%. So, you know, understand it. I think there was obviously some disruptions over the holiday periods with some weather and some issues there that certainly slowed slaughter and we're making up for a bit of it there. We've seen weights really come down. So maybe we're pulling some hogs ahead, uh, but really that's been weighing on the, the, the hog complex. Cattle, you know, we've seen tighter slaughter levels the last couple of weeks that has started to, to translate into stronger box beef prices, stronger cattle prices. But again, we, we pulled so many cattle ahead that, you know, I think we're still trying to figure out what what is on feed plus what's kind of being backfilled there and what those supplies really are. Okay. So on the on the hog slaughter, let's back up to that a second. So it's not exactly lining up with what was indicated from the hogs and pigs report. The weights are down indicating as you said that we pulled some hogs forward. I guess I'm going to be asking the same question on both hogs and cattle. Do we have a a hole in market-ready supplies ahead of us? Well, I'll back up even a little bit more. So okay. you know, when we think about uh, the hogs and pigs report, the USDA had nailed it on the head the last two reports. So you know, I want to give credit where credit is due there. You know, when we look at, at right now, um, you know, I, I think all indications were we were going to see tighter hog supplies. So that would match exactly what you're saying is, you know, I think we're going to run into some really tight supplies here, indication that we have pulled the, these hogs ahead. And so I think until we're proved wrong, that that is the case that I think we're likely to see some pretty tight supplies here as we get into later February into March. That should really help spur the cash market. But, you know, it, it is to be determined, I think, until we start to see it. Okay. All right. Um, when, when I think about this time next year, even, Lee, I, I, I want to imagine that our demand for pork is going to be stronger than, our, than, than what it is right now. Um, is there any expansion happening in hog finishing right now, Lee, anywhere? You know, I, I asked that to, to, to someone Wednesday um, that, that was in uh, the pressure washing business. And, and you know, they because they kind of have a tune to the market of, you know, where yep. where we're going to see some some possible additions. Right. And they said there was zero talk of it. Right. And and there was a banker also sitting next to us and said, you know, there wasn't they used to get about a, a call a week or so. They haven't heard anything since the beginning of the year. So I think there's a lot of uh, pause right now as, as we talk yeah. about adding capacity. Some of that is I think we do have some excess capacity out there as it relates to, to finishing because we're, we're dealing with a smaller hog supply here um, and really steady supplies as I look at forecasts going forward. Um, and so I think, you know, we're we're in a bit of a pause there, a holding pattern as we talk about expansion, be it hog numbers or finishing capacity. I'll be darned. I'll be darned. You know, so it, it, it sounds like if there were more pigs available, there'd be more space to fill on the finishing side of things. Is that what I'm hearing? That That's what I'm hearing. And, and some of that's related to, to some disease pressure we've seen. Yep. And so, you know, realizing that that is the first capacity that's going to be filled is, is what we have 
out there. Um, and, and so I think that's the, the, a little bit of the, the buffer we got in the system, uh, which is certainly, I think, helpful from the standpoint of, you know, gives us that flex in, in hog supplies, especially as we're kind of in this situation where, um, you know, supplies are, are maybe changing a little bit as we have some, you know, front end loaded hog supplies that allows for them um, to, to come in, to, to come in backfill them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Lee, what are you hearing from farrowing operations? How bad is the disease out there? PERS? Uh, yeah, I, I guess there was a new variant that guys were battling again this year on PERS. What What are you hearing? Well, you know, this is where, where it would be all dangerous, you know, an economist talking like a veterinarian. Yeah, um, gotcha. And, and we've, we've heard some, <laughs> you know, heard some challenges out there. I think, you know, some isolated instances. Um, and, you know, what I see this is just adding to the overall cost of production. So we were dealing with historically high cost of production anyway. Um, and then as you throw any disease challenges on top of that, that's going to even increase those costs even more. So I think, you know, that just adds to the challenges that producers are facing, the uncertainty that they're facing. And that certainly also adds to the pause in, in expansion going forward. Yeah. Okay. So the historically high cost of production, we've got feed prices high. We've got interest rates that are coming up. Uh, we've got, um, you know, I'm sure that that's put, contributed to the hold on any expansion in the industry right now. What is the condition of the hog industry right now, Lee? I mean, is, is there money being made and who's making it? Well, my, my estimates show that 2023 is going to stick out uh, really compared to, to what we've seen in the recent past as, as a year of, of notable red ink in, in hog production. Now, you know, that that's a broad statement, as I think yep. some certain uh, sectors of the industry uh, will make money. Obviously, lower cost producers um, will have an advantage over higher cost producers, just given where um, costs are relative to to prices. But but on average, you know, I think we're, we're going back 12, 15 years to see some of the, the, the negative margins that we've seen in, in hog production. So certainly a challenging time for producers. And, you know, th that adds to, you know, I think that that lack of enthusiasm about expanding just because, you know, we haven't seen these challenging times for quite some time in hog right. production. Right. Exactly. What about on the demand side for pork, Lee? Is, is that holding up okay? Well, you know, I think it's all relative when, when we talk about demand. We've seen very strong demand for pork, for protein, really, over the last several years. And that's really helped hold prices where they're at. I think there's some indication that we're starting to see some easing of that pork demand. But still, given where we are, um, that's still very strong relative to, to historical levels. So I think that helps us give a bit of perspective on, on domestic demand, export demand. Uh, we've certainly peaked um, in pork exports. As you look at, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen a bit of easing there. What I like to remind people about exports, so it's not just volume, right? So we also, we need to know what prices uh, our export customers are paying, and they're paying very high prices. So some of that that volume decline has been offset by the higher prices. Yeah. A big headwind to, to exports is the strength of our U.S. dollar. 
Um, and so, you know, it's still a good sign that we've maintained the exports we have, but I think that's been a limiting factor is just the strength of that U.S. dollar makes us that much more expensive on the world market, makes our competitors that much more competitive just from a pure dollar standpoint. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The last, what, three months, four months of 2022, we started to see some a bit of an uptick on export demand for pork, didn't we? We did. And, I, and you know, I think a lot of uh, that's being pointed towards China's uh, maybe recovering a, a bit better their economy as it relates to the impact of, of the pandemic there. Um, and, and so a lot of the forecasts I've seen have been raised um, due to economic conditions a bit better in China. You know, and, and that's just broadly speaking, when we think about, you know, we may not capture all that possible increase in China, but someone is, and the U.S. Yeah. is obviously there um, to supply the world market. And so I think yep. that's helped provided us a bit of a boost um, when we think about pork exports. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. We are talking with Lee Scholes from Iowa State University. Uh, we've covered a lot on, on the hog front and on the pork front. Uh, when we come back with Lee and keep the conversation going, we're going to take it over to cattle, figure out what the cattle supply is out there, how it might impact the market going forward. We're talking with Lee Schultz from Iowa State right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. This, according to USEmbassy.gov, President's Day has become an occasion to celebrate the birthdays of both President George Washington and President Abraham Lincoln. Washington was born on February 22, 1732, on his father's tobacco plantation in Virginia. In 1787, he presided over the writing of the U.S. Constitution. He soon after became the unanimous choice as the first president of the United States. Abraham Lincoln was born on February 12, 1809, and became America's 16th president in 1860. His Emancipation Proclamation, issued on January 1, 1863, outlawed slavery. The holidays also attribute to the general who created the first military badge of merit for the common soldier, the Purple Heart, which was revived on Washington's 200th birthday. As with Memorial Day and Veterans Day, Washington's birthday offers another opportunity for the United States to honor its veterans. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. 
Welcome back to AgriTalk on this President's Day 2023. Markets are closed today, but we've got the information flow going. Conversation with Lee Scholes from Iowa State University. Lee, we spent a lot of time in the last segment talking about what's going on on the, the hog supply, the pork demand, and so on. Uh, I, I want to get a little bit more. It, I want to wrap up the conversation on pork, or on hogs in particular, with this. When you are talking with producers from across Iowa about uh, risk management strategies in here, what does that conversation sound like right now? Well, it's changed, right? And when, when you think about the, the margins, the, the, uh, the, the prices that the, the market has offered over the last several years and, and the opportunities out there, they're slim to none when we're looking at, at the current marketplace, right? That, that, and that doesn't mean that, that there's nothing that can be done. Right, but we need to take a little bit different approach when we think about um, options for looking at you know risk management, right? And so, as we're going to see some seasonally higher prices, there is some opportunity to really lock in some profitable. They're they're meager profitable prices, but as we look at the summer, certainly we need to take advantage of those um, because overall we're we're looking at fall prices being much weaker relative to the the cost of production. So I think it's really opening that toolbox. Um, and digging deep in that toolbox to, to see some options that really fit this current market um, and, and be very aggressive when, when we're identifying some of those opportunities. Gotcha. Gotcha. What about the livestock risk protection insurance? Uh, Lee, are there, are there any opportunities with the LRP on hogs? There is, and there's growing interest in, in LRP, right? So the, there, there's been some adjustments to the program over the last couple of years that certainly made it more attractive. Um, and, and I've kind of contextualized it like this. You know, if you thought it was an option for you before, it's, even, it's an even better option now. Uh, because of the, the subsidy that's offered through the premium, the payment structure in that. So certainly it provides some more opportunities. Um, and when you're thinking about what it does, it, it provides that floor, right? So it's similar to a, a put option, not exactly, but it allows you to really establish that floor, but allow for some upside in the marketplace. And I think that fits exactly where we're at, right? You could argue the market's a bit oversold. Um, there's some opportunity for much higher prices. We thought it was going to be, you know, several months ago, you thought much more higher prices. So that may really be, fit the market very well if you're opportunistic and thinking about well, where we could go potentially prices if these supplies are, are much tighter like we, I think, anticipate. Yeah. LRP seems like it's an underutilized tool. Would you agree? It, it is. And I, I think it's one of those where I, I always recommend it. It's some learning by doing, right? So maybe not uh, putting all your eggs in one basket, but, you know, identifying, uh, you know, where you can use it um, and, and maybe buying a few policies, right? And just testing it out, seeing how it works um, is really a lot of times the best way to, to really just get familiar with it and, and see if it fits your operation, your risk management plan. Yep. Excellent. Excellent plan right there. Okay. Let's hop on over to cattle. You, you already mentioned that cattle slaughter has been tightening. It's been supporting the cash box beef market. We've pulled some cattle forward. Seems like the condition of the cattle market, the cattle industry, is a little better and brighter than what it is for hogs right now. Would you agree with that? I would agree, and it, it's been building for some time, right? Yeah. So I, I think 
you know, we're all realizing or remembering again that, you know, when prices are declining, it takes a long time, right? But when they're increasing, it's also taking a long time. And we're in the midst now of seeing prices continue to strengthen. I think really the question is how much will they strengthen, right? Um, and I think the, the big um, wild card is demand. So supplies are certainly going to support the market, but how far and, and how fast those prices can, can grow and strengthen is really going to be dependent on demand. Yeah, yeah. And here we are, we're trying to figure out how this economy is going to perform going forward. There's wild some some wild expectations of a recession. We know that the latest uh, inflationary data came in a little bit hotter than what was indicated. Interest rates still seem to be pointed higher. Consumers are dipping into their savings. Uh, there's a lot of there, – there are headwinds to demand for beef, but so far seems to be handling it very well, doesn't it? It has. And, you know, I'll, I'll point to, to similar, you know, when I when I talked about pork in the previous segment, uh -huh. you know, we're, we're at a very strong overall demand level, right? And I think 2022, um, you know, how you couch the data, you could say we, we took a little bit of a step back in demand, but it's still, I think, the second highest demand we've seen in, in 20, 20, 30 years uh, for beef demand. So it just shows you how strong we've been over the last several years. Uh, and when you think about what's driving these prices higher, um, I, I like to reference a study that, that was done for the National Pork Board that looked at what was driving prices of, of pork higher. Um, and 50% of that was inflationary, um, just general inflation. But then 20% was when you think about just overall demand. So demand was stronger. I would argue beef's in the same category. And then 30% was cost of production higher, right? So I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, we're seeing, yes, higher inflation, but that's not the only thing driving prices here. Um, and we're going to enter a period where we're going to still talk about inflation, but the fundamentals are going to be what's driving the marketplace. Yeah. Um, and as it relates to cattle and beef, much tighter supplies are going to drive this marketplace. I agree. I agree. And once we get a rain, and we start taking the females out of the feed yard, that's when the supplies are really going to tighten up on us, isn't it? And that's what I think some people um, don't fully fully grasp, right? So we are seeing tighter supplies, but it's going to take, it's going to be much tighter supplies here, right? If you look at the calf crop was down 2% in 2022, those are the calves that are going to impact the beef market late 23 and into 24. We have several more years of likely contraction in the beef cow herd that pushes off expansion further. Once we start that expansion, as you said, we're going to pull more heifers um, out of that beef supply that's going to tighten it up even more. Um, and that's when prices are really going to spike and be very strong for producers. Yeah, yeah. There's a time coming where if you've got a pasture full of bred heifers or bred first calf heifers that that is going to be a valuable commodity once we get the range and and pastures back out west isn't it it is and you know i remember when i first started in this job 2012 13 into 14 that was the talk right is you've seen these replacement female prices spike at three thousand dollars per head thirty five thousand per head 
right? And a lot of that variation was some, somewhat related to, to genetics, but you know, that's how uh, strong there was an interest in expansion, right? And, yep. and at the prices that we were seeing at the time, you could really justify those replacement female <laughs> prices. We're gonna enter that period. It, it's a while off yet, but I think we you need to really anticipate it because from a, a an investment expansion standpoint, as a producer, you want to be on the front end of that instead of in the midst or the tail end of that, because you yeah. want to benefit as many high calf crop prices as you can. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Boy, I, it, when when the expansion, the the herd rebuilding started, and it really you can't call it expansion. It's it's just a recovery back to where we were before, or even close to it. But that black bull calf would hit the ground, and he was a thousand dollar bill laying there. It was that that was that was quite the experience. And then we had a couple of years where they were still five hundred bucks. Uh, so there's there's uh, we're going to be moving some of the profit in the industry all the way down to that cow calf producer at some point, aren't we? Well, and that's when when you're getting periods like this. This is who is benefiting big time is the cow calf producer, right? When you get to these levels of uh, the industry, as you said, kind of the herd rebuilding, that's when the cow calf producer is, is, is making the money, right? So that's where you need to take advantage of the opportunity to, you know, market those calves, as you said, really provide yourself any risk management opportunities. Cause a lot of times you get one shot at selling those calves, right? You're selling right. them at weaning, you're maybe retaining some ownership, uh, adding some weight to those calves. But again, it's one shot um, at these high prices that we're recouping several years of very tight yeah. margins. So this is yeah. where really you need to make the hay um, at these higher calf price levels. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's go to the feed yard. Is there money to be made in in 2023 on feeding cattle? You're looking at margins that are modest but are profitable. Um and you know, that's driven largely by the the very strong fed cattle prices that we're seeing. You know, we're seeing the highest cost of gains we've ever seen. Uh, you know, my my model says we're we're 125 per hundred weight, maybe knocking on the floor, floor, maybe knocking on the door of 130 per hundred weight. We've never seen those feed, feed costs of gain levels, but we've but we're seeing these stronger fed cattle prices that are helping to really support that. Now, you know, my concern as it relates to the feedlot is feeder cattle prices, uh, they're gonna start to really spike here, I think, as we're starting to see those supplies really tighten up. So you're going to have a big investment in that that feedlot in the form of these feeder cattle, very high cost of gains. um, And really, you're going to need to protect that investment through some risk management uh, because, again, you're going to have a lot into this. There's some opportunity for profit, but any, I think, um, you know, lack of support or even some some, uh, downward price pressure really could put you into red ink um, when you're thinking about how, how those high costs of the feeder cattle and, and um, feed yep. is going to be. Gotcha. Gotcha. Lee, it's always fun to talk with you, man. Thank you so much for your time and happy President's Day. Go Cyclones. Yep. Thanks for having me again. Go Cyclones. All right. That's Lee Schultz, Iowa State University. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up today's Talk. My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. 
Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Don't wait. Order your crop protection products from FBN. Take action at fbn.com direct. Secure a great deal from FBN and direct-to-farm delivery while supplies last. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Again, markets were closed today, but what a way to spend a day without the market action is talk about some of the long-term longer-ranging supply and demand uh, factors that are happening in the livestock markets. Davis, uh, lead a great job, did a great job breaking it down. Well, and, you know, there's been a lot of question about the demand side of the market. The supply side, of course, I mean, it almost feels like we have a handle on the supply side, but it's that demand side, really, that I think could have some some spoilers in it. Right, right. I I think you're exactly right. We can track the numbers close enough. We can see what is happening with the supply with our own eyes with the data that's available in the daily slaughter, the weekly slaughter totals. Those are telling us a big story about that total supply, the where the trend is going. When you look at the weights on the animals, like, like Lee was talking about, we've got a current market hog situation. We've got a current feed yard situation. We just need to figure out how we're going to refill it and keep that supply of market-ready animals flowing to the processors on a on, on a uh, in some sort of an orderly fashion davis because if we get too many ebbs and flows in in the number of animals coming we're not going to be able to 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 establish a trend in the cash and mm-hmm. without establishing that trend in the cash markets it's really hard to get something established in the futures just a little consistency you know that would yeah. really help us out absolutely and as you said the demand side of things Holy smokes, if we eat our way out of another tough economic period in our economy, that is going to mean so much to the cattle producer in particular, I think. But it's really going to help out that hog producer as well. All right, it's Monday. That's mean it, that means it is time for an update from Kerry Artac, Artac Advisory. Kerry, what do you got for us today? Thanks a lot, Chip. Yeah, I'll start with May wheat. I actually covered May wheat in last week's show where I mentioned that 7.99 even was an important ceiling of resistance for this market to get up and over close at the end of a week for bullish continuation into spring. We pushed through that area just a bit. 8.07.5 was last week's high. We backed off. 7.99, what was at 7.99 is now at 7.88 and a quarter for the week. It's a descending channel top that spans about four or five months. It's been performing pretty well and containing buying pressures for the broader wheat market over the last few weeks. And below which, 7.11 half is in reach uh, over the next 
I don't know, three to five weeks or so. And in fact, as we move through March trade, the, uh, the broader wheat market is actually in a, I'd call it a two-sided framework. Uh, neutral, relatively speaking, in terms of the big picture, uh, between 788 and a quarter upside and 711 half to the downside. Now, if we do close Friday in May wheat above 788 and a quarter, that sets off a meaningful buy signal that should play out into spring trade. I would then expect 924 even over the next two to three months where we find a significant channel top that just might contain buying through summer trade. Now downside, I mentioned how 7.11.5 is a floor of support that is in reach over the next few weeks perhaps, holding below 7.88 and a quarter. The 7.11.5 floor of support able to contain selling through March into April. Like I say, we could trade on both sides of that over the next uh, three to five weeks, couple of months. But if we were to close below 7.11.5, then we have a two to three month sell signal in the broader wheat market, wherein I then expect 5.75 even even to 590 even over the following two to three months where we could actually bottom out through the rest of the year. So meaningful buy signal into spring above 788 and a quarter, meaningful sell signal into spring below 711 half. On to April heating oil, we are testing a big support area right now that I'm going to round out at 2.6717. There's a lot going on there, a long-term 50% retracement. There's a two-thirds speed line, a channel bottom. They're all in this vicinity of 2.6717. We tested it last week and we can come off of this area nicely, actually rally over the next month or two up to 3.4192, which is a channel top that spans about six months of activity. And that area is in reach, I'll say, by the end of April or sooner, holding above 2.6717. One of the buy signals in the interim would be a settlement this week above last week's high of 2.9496. So if we close this week above 2.9496 that should set off a more aggressive rally that could by the end of uh, March perhaps yield that 3.4192 level where we could actually top out through spring and uh, that 3.4192 is also a meaningful upside pivot point as we move into summer trade. Now downside, if we close the week below 2.6717, we should continue south over the next two to three months to 2.1998. Uh, and we could even continue lower. I'm really emphasizing how 2.6717 is kind of like the point of the year, above which we remain stable. This market can recover nicely as we move into spring, summer, and below which I'm expecting at least 2.1998 within two to three months. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it go even lower as we move into uh, summer trade. Finally, June live cattle. It's been approaching a significant overhead resistance area, actually pushed within 1% a couple of weeks ago of two channel tops that are converging now between 161.55 and 161.85. It's about a 30 cent zone of resistance that actually could contain buying uh, through the balance of June contract life into June expiration. And below which I do think over the next month or two, we can fall to 157.50 where we could get a nice bounce for a month month or so. But as time wears on, this 161.55 to 161.85 region is significant enough where it may actually yield 154 even over the next few months where June can bottom out into expiration. In terms of the upside, 
If June live cattle closes above 161.85, there's nothing to really stop this market from just continuing on up to that 2014 all-time high on the weekly chart of 172.75. So 10 handles higher perhaps if we close this week above 161.85. Up to 172.75 wouldn't surprise me by June expiration. And that is all I've got for this week. Chip, thanks a lot for having me. Hey, thank you, Kerry. Appreciate it. Don't forget, go to artacadvisory.com, A-R-T-A-C, advisory.com, and sign up for that two-week free trial. Kerry will take care of you. You can take a look at his daily service. Thank you so much for listening today. Appreciate you. Come back tomorrow morning. We're going to talk weather with Aaron Wilson from Ohio State. And, of course, Jim Wiesmeyer will get us up to speed with everything that's going on in his world tomorrow morning here on Agritalk. Oh,